Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kel on Earth Revisited, where you will travel with me, Kelly Karg, back through my life and musings as I celebrate not only my 40th year, but the milestone of 100 chapters of the original blog. I have started from the beginning and continue to move through 14 years of observations as I find my voice and my place in the world and reflect on who that person was. So come with me into year two and celebrate the achievement of longevity and literacy. I never thought Kel on Earth would still be here. Part two, chapter four. Mom is Asia-bound, January 2010. My actual journal of Christmas 2009 took up about 30 pages. I am condensing that, but if you would like more specifics, my Facebook pics have some details, and I can send the unabridged version out if you would like. Let me know. Vietnam offered many wonderful sights and sounds to mom and me. The experience of being in a country of motorbikes will not soon be forgotten, since I think we saw about four actual streetlights in the entire country. I know I have said this about Myanmar, but in Vietnam, people just go and maneuver and dodge and sort of bounce off each other. Mom was warned about such vehicular practices, and while I was supposed to be the well-traveled one, she boldly walked straight into traffic on several occasions before I had time to pick up my surprised jaw from the ground. If she wasn't fully confident that the traffic would flow around her like water around a lodged rock in a river, she sure as hell hit it well. As we tried to avoid the congestion of traffic and train occupants, we escaped to Halong Bay, where we saw the beautiful, iconic rock islands that make up the damage caused by the mythic dragon's tail as she descended to the bottom of the bay. 24 hours of floating around staring at the majesty while eating pretty much the best seafood in the world was just as a vacation should be, though I was embarrassingly cold in 65 degree weather in December. We've seen clouds that look like fish scales, giving us the feeling of being Jonas inside a giant transparent sea dweller as we motor along in our own sea-bearing vessel. We ate fish that looked like elephant ears with scales that peeled away like aged wallpaper. We've seen elephants, well, brass and copper and jade elephants that dance so slowly one can't even tell where the next step will be placed. We have been carried along on planes, trains, automobiles, boats, tuk-tuks, and feet. We have explored temples, pagodas, and monasteries along with back alleyways, cuisine that requires chopsticks and unfortunate bathrooms. My mom has every intention of attempting Vietnamese cuisine from her very own kitchen after taking a half-day cooking class, figuring out what made that amazing taste and buying a cookbook with pictures. We played in the ocean. We climbed a hill overlooking the border to Cambodia. We drank at least six different kinds of Asian beer, many named after cities or countries. We saw a perfectly red sunset and we were almost denied entry by a very scary Vietnamese military official. It was quite an experience. Some may say that because of such a whirlwind tour in Vietnam that took us to the far northern city of Hanoi, all the way down the coast to Ho Chi Minh City, AKA Saigon, and on to the Mekong Delta, 
we could not really get a sense of the people. They may be correct, but I believe on the train and in some of our 2.5 hour car rides, we saw the land that the Vietnamese refused to give up to the Chinese, French, or Americans. And in the museum displays such as the Women's Memorial, the History Museum, and the War Remembrance Museum, we witnessed the ideas for which the Vietnamese are known. Pride, strength, longevity, and forgiveness. And lest I forget, we experience the side of Vietnamese which makes them human, rather than humanity perfected, oh, especially with that food. <laughs> their frustration, their volume, and their complete awareness of how vulnerable tourists can be. I'm surprised that despite the hemorrhaging money of our own volition, we made it through the country relatively unscathed by pickpockets and scam artists. Though I don't think I will ever know how much I was overcharged, I prefer not to think about it. As much as I loathe to report it, Mom and I did spend a good deal of time in Bangkok. Not only that, we enjoyed parts of it in anyway. <laughs> I know, craziness, don't get me wrong, that city will always have my heart because of Subway and Burger King, but we explored new parts of the city with Jeanette and Mom uh, surpassed my tourism of the place within her first 36 hours. Though I can now claim, substantiated by my passport, to have been in and out of that city no less than 10 times. <laughs> Unfortunately, unlike Vietnam and Thailand, I'm perfectly aware of when I'm getting ripped off. And by the time we got back to Myanmar, I was glad, super glad, after two weeks to be back in a country where I am not a temporary tourist. Back home, mom and I dropped our luggage at my place and dashed back to the airport to spend a quick 36 at Inlay Lake. Though I have been there before, this time I was no less awed by the vast lake and the agricultural phenomenon that exists in the middle, where the freshest tomatoes, cucumbers, pumpkins, and carrots are grown and harvested in floating gardens. We saw the sunrise and sunset over a part of Asia that reminded us both of Colorado, with its jutting mountain range. Not so much with the huge body of water, but still familiar. We saw silk and lotus weaving, silversmith's shops, and cherut, which are cigar-like things, rolling. <laughs> We even managed to not fall out of the motorboat that took us all over the lake. General success, I think. While all of these external beauties were not to be missed, notwithstanding the frenetic pace needed for in a two-week tour, I think mom would agree when I say that the best part about our trip was the ability to be traveling companions with family as adults. I know I got annoyed and mom got frustrated, but by the end of the trip, I really think we began to understand each other in a way that previously we could not have claimed. As an example, while before this trip I would get frustrated with moms never being able to sit down and relax, <laughs> I now see that constant movement as her expression of being part of wherever she is at, wanting to see all and experience all while we were there. She would try to make sure that we were prepared going into our next leg, while I would just try to shake off the stress of the day by reading. When we were back in Myanmar, she readily pitched in to help me with little things to prepare my home for habitation again, and she never once complained. Dealing with me 24-7 is not the best idea of a picnic I can imagine, but her tolerance and patience made me appreciate what she does for me all the more. I really didn't mean for this to end up so sappy, but in accordance with my previous chapters, realizations and insights need to be included. So there you go. I love my mom, and I'm glad she came out to see me. Happy 2010, everyone. Start this year with a positive and promise to smile as much as possible. Miss you all.
All right, here we go. I think in this one we're starting to see my evolving editing skills. <laughs> I made quite clear that all of these awarenesses have been significantly uh, trimmed down. So it's not about sharing every little detail, but really getting the environment, getting the, the mood, getting the emotion of what we were experiencing. And it's quite lovely. I'm very happy that my quote sappiness, which apparently I was embarrassed about, I don't know, or maybe I was, felt weird about being public to share um, that my relationship with my mother. I don't, I don't know where that kind of, I do, I know where that kind of nervous energy comes from because we're not an effusive family. We don't, we don't, I mean, obviously we talk about things now and we, we, you know, into adulthood, my adulthood, uh, my mom's along for the ride with both my brother and I, um, in, trying to navigate how we engage with one another. And so this was kind of at the beginning of that journey, even though I was, you know, 28. <laughs> um, I, we, we didn't, we didn't necessarily talk about like our, our love for each other was just kind of a given as I feel like that is with a lot of families. You don't, reflect as often as you should when it and and speak to your loved ones in a vulnerable and real and uh, heartfelt way because it goes against maybe the standard modus operandi of of how you engage like hugging hugging and hugging didn't become part of our regular engagement until we were until we were adults, and I, that sounds awful. Of course we showed affection when we were children, but then, uh, like, we would say I love you all the time, but sometimes other, other forms of expression were not quite as common. And I'm sure Judy listening to this would probably be like, Kelly, what are you talking about? <laughs> but in in my memory and in the way that I remember the way we were raised, it was all kind of like, well, of course we love each other. And of course we say we love each other, but you know, we don't sit around and cuddle on the couch and like have a lot of physical closeness. And that could be a result of me leaving, or it could be, I, I, I just don't remember much of it. So having words to express affection other than love you, um, I think it was, it was new for me and with my family. Cause I, you, you just, you assume at least my narcissistic brain, I assume that the people I care for know that I care for them. So with my adulthood, my evolving friendship with my parent, uh, was was a learning experience, a learning curve, and it continues to this day. Uh, and I just hope I can continue to be more and more thoughtful and respectful and kind um, 
in the way these words are reflective and thoughtful and kind. And gosh, I hope I hope they don't come as infrequently as, as they seem to. But anyway, love you, mom. Also in this chapter, we see it was easier for me to read. I don't know if you heard that. I I try to find the cadence of these of these chapters and the way that it's it's this one matched up with my current cadence, the current way that I I like to write. It's matching better. Like I'm I'm hearing the rhythm in in my voice and in in the words that I'm choosing. I'm I'm hearing it better because it's kind of less I don't know, less, not, not happy, but less, like, ha ha ha, I'm just traveling around. Oh my gosh, you guys. And that, that kind of tone and that kind of motivation. So I think this was where, as kind of dippy as the title sounds, mom is Asia bound. Um, I think this, this is hopefully, I think it is where I, I start to turn a corner with, I'm not really writing emails home anymore. I'm I'm writing chapters. So some of my kind of complex compound sentences and finding what I want to say, you know, I know I've said this about Myanmar, but in Vietnam people just go and maneuver and dodge and sort of bounce off each other. Um Mom was warned about such vehicular practices, and while I was supposed to be the well-traveled one, she boldly walked straight into traffic on several occasions before I had time to pick up my surprise jaw from the ground. Like, I mean, I know I'm a bit hyperbolic, obviously, but that that fits the cadence of what I want to communicate. Um, so I'm, this is, this is a fun one too. Uh, and I appreciate that detail at the beginning. Oh my gosh, hilarious. Uh, my Facebook pics have details and I can send the unabridged version of my journal to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's there. Like if I was I was still writing with the presumption that people would want to just dig deep into my journal, really? <laughs> um, but she's showing editing she's showing a breakdown and there i could go into a lot more detail about the things that happened on this trip and i chose not to in in this chapter but we i mean there were there are memories from that trip that i have in my head now that i didn't even touch upon or that i that i condensed so much so again this is still kind of early days where I, I didn't want to go into too much detail because I'm, I'm learning to figure out what the relevant parts are. What are the what are the details that people actually want to hear about? And I think I did too good a job condensing down. I would have I should have had at least a paragraph on the amazing time we had in Hoi An. Uh, where, oh, it was so lovely, a UNESCO heritage site. Um, the food was stunning. The environment was amazing. The tailor shops that we, we engaged with, the, the shopping, the, like it was, it was gorgeous. 
I should have spent at least a paragraph on the train ride, the fact that we were crossing the demilitarized zone as I was reading an amazing book, um, The American War in Vietnam, such a good book. Uh, I was reading about the DMZ as we were crossing it and looking to the west and seeing the mountain range and and knowing that that's where orphans were were um, spreading out landmines and things for for uh, North Vietnamese um, soldiers and you know we it was what like so that train ride was was phenomenal because you're seeing this land that you've just read about and so that should have been a paragraph like so, you know so there's. I think this is a really interesting case study of a chapter. <laughs> um, and I, I, unlike the last chapter where I had enjoyed seeing a chapter or a, a, a moment that I had kind of forgotten about, this one is sparking a time that I remember vividly and my chapter doesn't doesn't match my memories but it shows my developing writing style so yeah this was this was a a good one a fun one uh and an educational one for those of you curious in the evolution of kelly's writing style nerds Thank you so much for joining me here at Kill on Earth Revisited. I hope to see you next time where we will go diving, but mostly exploring Phuket. Ah, that seedy den of depravity. Let's see what Kel and her friends get up to. See you there.